Hi, everyone, and welcome back to episode 12 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, aka Max's friend. And I'm here with my co host, Max, aka Cards Max. Max, the world has been wondering what is going on in Cards Max life. The biggest thing in Cards Max's life has been that the National is in 10 days, give or take, and I'm very excited. The National is in 10 days, but. Um... As they, as they say, the hobby never sleeps. So what, uh, what have you been up to to prepare? What have you been, uh, what have you been buying? What have you been selling? What have, what have your thoughts been? I went to a show yesterday. I went to a show today. I will be going to a show probably next weekend. I'll be going to any trade night I can get my hands on. And I will be buying, selling, wheeling, dealing, looking for glavers for throw-ins into bargain box plays and i'm living and breathing cardboard yeah you made a good uh, bargain back so you went to a show today correct i did go to a show today nice little small local show yeah you love it you gotta love a good small local show and how many tables are we talking of the small local show um not that small i want to say maybe 50 or so okay so pretty decent show like this is a show that's been promoted and very well known on the long island area and this was operating pre-COVID, which there's not much on Long Island in our area that was pre-COVID. But this is like a known consistent show, same dealers in and out. You know what you're getting. Nice. Well, you picked up a nice bargain bin lot today. I saw. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all? But I got this gold Machado 2016, Jared Shuster. I had Calc 1 with him in college. Uh, Mike Trout numbered out of 499 Bowman. Travis Swaggerty, Team USA Auto. And Garrett Cole out of 2018 gold. Oh, and a nice little Glaber Sky Blue. Got nice. all of that for 15 bucks. Got a Gold Strasburg Early Career Prism for 10 bucks, And two first Bowman hitters of guys I've never heard of for 5 You so, love buying oh, those Bowman first of guys I've never heard of. I have never heard of them either. Usually I've like heard of them. But on this one, I have not. But for 35 bucks, nice little scrounge up. For 35 bucks, like how much money are you looking to make on a lot like that? And like how much of effort are you trying to put in? Um, in terms of effort, I've been very hot and cold with updating my eBay store with stuff that I get in. I For stuff under $20, I just do a – I mean, I have my two lamps. I get a nice picture of the front, and then I list it kind of as fast as possible while being diligent in checking comps. I am a controversial man. I do not accept offers on some of my stuff on eBay to put the illusion that I'm firm. And if someone really, really wants it, they can make an offer. But most of the time, they just press buy it now anyway. So I, tr- in terms of time, maybe it'll take an hour to get everything posted. I feel like for 11 cards, probably a little less. And maybe, let's say, I'm into those $15. I'm into that $15 lot at maybe 2 bucks a card each. I feel like most of them are $5 each. Um, The Strasbourg Gold Prism out of 10 that you're just looking for the right fan or person, maybe this is a $20 to $30 card. I don't think it's a $50 card, but maybe this is $20 to $30. And first moments of hitters I've never heard of, but still 2020 autos, so they're not out of the minors yet. That's maybe $10 each, hopefully. Yeah, that's that's pretty safe plays you're making there, and... I'm definitely looking to make some uh, bulk deals like that at the National. I know that there's some pretty crazy bins there sometimes, especially since I'm going to be there early on Tuesday. I might just go 
oh, dive you, head first in those boxes. You are lucky, and I envy that. I will be there Wednesday afternoon, and I will be digging in. Yes. I remember last year I went to the National. That was my first time going. And I went I, on Friday afternoon, Saturday, and I was extremely overwhelmed. But there were still a lot of good uh, cards to go through. But the boxes I could tell were definitely picked through. And there's probably you know, 80% of the boxes were, or 80% of the box was still there. So like 20%, you never know what that 20% was at the beginning of the week. I'm sure there was some good deals. So I'm excited to be there early, get after it. Um, I, went um, to- I want to add in something that was very interesting that as I, I was making small talk, I love talking to my dealers, love talking to the locals. But as I was going through the value box, something that kind of hit me was that a lot of, this is definitely noticed more. I want to say younger collectors are more going for, turning the $400 into $450 through a one card flip instead of turning maybe $20 into a hundred with five hours of work. And you feel like the older kind of collectors, like your brick and mortar staple singles, like the, there are people that are selling your binder cards that are going into your binder on your eBay, on their eBay store. And I feel like those people aren't the, 18 year olds with the suitcases and the briefcases slinging hundred K in the briefcase. Uh, I like to try to do both and have fun. And if you see a good deal, take it. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great note to make, like to put out there before the national, because I think most of my best deals I get and like most of the coolest cards I've ever picked up are not from these guys that are have those 400, $500 slabs that you see everywhere. But like these guys, these older guys who've been doing it for a longer time and have these singles and the boxes that are, pretty random but you find some cards that you just don't see on ebay and that's kind of what i'm always looking for at a show stuff that you can't find online that's kind of been my strategy lately with like in-person shows is only buy things that are very hard to find on ebay or if they are on ebay they get they get bought up really quick so stuff like that is what i look for max do you have um i know can you tell the world a little bit well we'll get more into this with logan but do you want to tease out what your what your situation is at the national what how are you getting there i know that's been a big topic how to get to atlantic city how are you getting there who are you staying with so i was originally planning to do a big train commute um i've had friends that uh have houses in rehoboth beach in delaware So I've made the train commute to Philly before, and it's a fun one. I'm taking the projected on paper, which I was going to do, you know, largely imitate for the national in Atlantic City, was that I was planning to take the Long Island Railroad from Long Island to New York City, take um, the New Jersey Transit from Penn Station down to Trenton, down to Philly, or which at the time I was looking at trains, there was an Amtrak Acela from New York City to Philadelphia for $19. That's a steal. And then take the SEPTA from Philadelphia Atlantic City line to Atlantic City, from Philly to Atlantic City. Um, thankfully, one of the people that I am rooming with is being able to pick me up at a train station in Monmouth, New Jersey. I think that's how you pronounce the city. And... That cuts my trains down to two instead of four. But when I was projecting this master train commute, it was going to do the entire way for a $70 round trip. That is amazing and probably my favorite monologue you've ever done on the podcast of Patanas. Because getting to Atlantic City is ridiculous. And the fact that I've never been. 
the fact that the Nationals in Atlantic City I, is just wild, and that's not a hot take, so I'm not gonna not gonna get into it too deep. But yeah, I, I mean, I've, see... I've heard that it's very important to like not get a dumpy or risky or even dangerous hotel that's 30 minutes out from Atlantic City. Eat either eat the money and pay up for a relatively respectable Airbnb and hotel, or do something that's more free. And plan ahead, which you can't do two weeks before. But yeah, the best well, time to plan for the 2023 national is in 2022. Yeah, exactly. And I'm excited to host you next year when it's in Chicago again. So yes, if I anyway, knew more in advance, I would have crashed your apartment for Tuesday. Oh yeah, and uh, to now moving on, I think we'll te- we'll talk more about the national and everything about that uh, with Logan next week and the following week while we're when we are actually in Atlantic City. Yeah, T- yeah, we'll have an episode of the Young Old Heads live from the National. We'll get hyped for that. Um, yes, but this we are week, teasing that we have special guest, many, many, many followers on Twitter, run- runner of one of the best Twitter sellers consistently. Logan's League is coming on the pod oh. next week. Official Young Old Head. So, uh, but Max, this week I wanted to talk about something that we've tangentially talked about in previous episodes, but something that I think deserves more of its own. Uh, conversation bit which is uh, the idea of like fractionalization and vaults and like the idea of owning cards owning parts of cards that are not physically in your possession so as someone who is a big fan of the alt vault can you uh, tell us a little bit about your strategy with the vault and like why it appeals to you i like alt as a company i think they do a good job and just to preface this, they weren't really on the map at all 365 days ago. Their kind of coming out party was the national last year when, Tommy, I don't know if you remember, they had a very generous or financially generous referral program to where anyone who got a sign-up to Alt was given a $50 credit. And I, you know, I bought a nice Glaber Bowman Chrome Auto for my PC from that promotion so really that investment now from that kind of big branding experiment, they are one of the biggest vault companies out there for alternative investments and collect trading cards. They run their week bi-weekly once every two week auctions. And they've recently have had a rebrand. I know they are minting NFTs right now that are, or they previously minted NFTs that were supposed to be packs and are redeemable for one out of however many mintable cards and then you get the physical asset i i don't want to bash them i don't love their rebrand i'm trying to be critical though um i like their vault services i like using them as a kind of permanent address i have been traveling recently for college when i graduated i don't i have my professional future is up in the air and where i'm taking my talents to and in what context so for me I've been using them more as a permanent mailing address for PSA orders and that I'll eat 10 bucks in shipping each time to have no worry about someone signing for a package, having everything insured and getting really crisp scans of my cards, which we can argue how far $8 go. But for me right now in my setting, it's worth it. I like the platform, uh, but their branding is interesting. Yeah, I... That was, that was a good walkthrough of what you're talking about. But what does it mean when you say you like their services? What does that mean to you? Um, 
I have on occasion emailed their customer service workers and I love them and they have always been very easy to work with. I mean, I'm very, I'm someone who is very kind of critical on not necessarily service people. I've had my share in the, I've had done my work in the service industry. I know what it's like to be a customer service person and where, you know, customers always right, et cetera, but they're very quick on responses. If there's any questions, they've kind of overassured me. I've never had an issue with a lost package or something of the like, or, you know, when I have thought something's too slow, they remind me on their processing times. And most of the time, if this, if I ever get a scan that comes out very bad, they sometimes rescan it, which is nice. It has to be really bad and really bad looking to the eye. But um, they're easy to work with. I've never had a problem and they ship fast. Yeah, I, I'm glad you talked about the customer service because I think in the hobby, everyone's used to these like vague wait times by PSA that are like massive wait windows, poor customer support where they don't, you know, no one gets back to you in time and you kind of just feel like left on your own. And that's how you get people, you know, ending up overpaying for slabs that of new cards and stuff like that. Just, yeah. I don't know. I'm, on my to-do list today is to follow up on an eBay call that I've already previously called eBay on an issue. They said they get it done in 48 hours. They didn't. And now I have to call them back. So definitely the polar opposite with that from my experience with all. Yeah. And, and even just more generally, most companies and, you know, other types of issues where I've had to email. Like I know I've had an issue with my slabs a few months ago. Matt, I know the owner was very quick in responding. I think it was like a Sunday or a Saturday I emailed him. He got back very quickly. But I think this is a testament to the people that are starting these businesses to try to either replace eBay or other processing platforms, whatever it may be, are not only are very gung-ho in making sure that the right outcome is found, but also genuinely or genuinely are doing it for a love of cards and an understanding of the perspective of the buyer and seller, which is something that eBay doesn't have. Yeah. And I think that's really important to bring up, especially as eBay is now launching this like eBay vault program where they're like, Oh, now you can just buy and sell with eBay. You don't have to ship. It's like, all right, cool. You guys are just copying these ideas of previous companies or these other companies that are out there. But also you have, a history of people having bad experiences with eBay customer support selling cards. So doesn't really build a lot of trust for a vault program, which involves even more trust. And I think that that's what those owners of like my slabs and vault and all understand is that like these things are, you know, they're assets to people. It's like holding their money. You can't, you know, have bad customer support. You can't have this kind of um, gray area of responsibility for certain things where it leads to, people having bad experiences with eBay. Have you, Max, do you have any other bad experiences with eBay that you would t want to talk about? I feel like I am calling them once or twice a month, whether it's something related to, it's usually something where it's like, I think they side in my favor and they won't. And I have to like double check them or something of the like. No examples really come up on hand since I haven't been selling on eBay as proactively, but it is a little bit of a nightmare. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But like I had a situation a while back where some, I think I bought like a Maradona sticker from Italy and he canceled the order, like left me, like, I don't think it was possible for, I think he left, like I gave him a neutral and he like bought something for my item, negative me. He paid like $15 shipping for a 99 cent card. I'd like cancel the order. I've had a big amount of hoopla with eBay before. Yeah. I know that you're no uh, stranger to the eBay customer support system. I'm a lover of controversy. 
Yes, and you the eBay messages are where some of the funniest interactions go down in the world. So I know that you're a part of those. But another thing, Max, just moving on, I think I think you covered the the, the benefits of a vault pretty well. But I think something even more controversial than a vault, which isn't, you know, it's not super controversial, but I think there are certain people who are like, you have a card, all you have is this image of it. You don't actually own the card or like you it's not in your hands, it's not there's something missing from that. And something that enhances that idea even to the biggest degree which is the vault program or the uh, fractionalization companies yeah so those are companies where you can buy like a certain percentage of a big card you can pay 50 dollars to buy into like a five six figure card um have you ever bought into a fractional share of a card max i have not before we change i want to close up the ebay vault stuff before we mm -hmm. move to fractionalization yeah when we're looking at ebay's vault and it's garnered by their recently done authenticity guarantee, which I don't want to say whether well, they were, they're hiring CSG employees to look at raw cards and ensure that they are authentic and PSA cards to make sure the labels are authentic for graded items. Even if it's not a PSA slab, if you're buying a Beckett authentic eBay slab, it's still being shipped to the PSA, but on a, you know, with a guarantee where they are damaging, not too consistently, but occasionally consistently damaging raw cards and there's no refunds or no other returns or protection, there's a lot of people, myself included, who are against the authenticity guarantee. So now eBay's starting a vault program where they have turned a, been a blind eye and have been deaf to many of the concerns with their platform. Why would I put my money with and my cards and my assets with them instead of Golden for the highest end, PWCC or Alt, where I know that there, any of those three companies, I haven't really directly experienced their vaulting with two of them. Well, generally, those three companies are more in my or a consumer's best interest. Why in the world would I go to eBay when they have a demonstrated incompetence? Yeah, I think that's a great, again, great points. But and so, there's so many ways. There's so many different ways that eBay falls short on the trust on the in the hobby it, the shipping of their cards from this authenticity program is just another example where like why would you trust ebay with your cards when they physically can't figure out how to ship them safely sometimes where cards are thousands of dollars cards are card flying out of the, of the card saver yeah and that's not like everyone who's in the hobby knows that you have to secure cards more than that especially cards of that um, with that much value so i don't know man there's just so many different ways where it just makes no sense to trust ebay and i think you know, I, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that, but I, I I just don't see that being successful for them unless, you know, these companies that are so much more invested in that those ideas and like understand the social dynamics behind like trust in the hobby a lot more than eBay does. Yeah, um, one of the more, so to go back to it, I have never bought a fractionalized asset or card. I'm not necessarily against or anti it but i also don't own really many stocks or other traditional assets to begin with so going on again i have nothing wrong with rally road but going on to rally road and buying a mantle that is very high valued and owning a fraction of it it just hasn't fit my financial portfolio at the moment um when we're speaking to the legitimacy and even the interactiveness of it um jake paul or is it logan paul one of the paul brothers whichever one is you're shaking your head which paul is it 
I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> I, I want to say Logan. Okay. I don't know. Who knows, bro? Yeah, it's Logan. It's Logan. Logan Paul's Illustrator Pikachu or Illustrator Pokemon card, um, which I believe he debuted that he owned at WrestleMania, was recently put up for fractionalization where Logan owns 49% of the cards, card and the shares. And the general, the rest of the 51% is being IPO'd. And I believe some of the decision-making regarding the value, first of all, you have the value of the asset, which can be bought, sold, and traded at any minute of time. But I believe there is an aspect of being able to decide how the Illustrator Pikachu, the Illustrator card, is used and worn by Logan Paul. And the appearances of that could maybe affect the market ability. So you're having a little bit of a vote similar to like a governance token in crypto. And the proportion of the amount of shares you have is probably how much voting power you have. So that makes it a little bit interesting and a little bit more interactive than just you own this PSA 4 1952 tops mantle, which I think is fun. And I think part of it is supposed to be fun. But what is stopping Logan from like buying up 2% of the shares if they're public and then owning the other 51%? I don't know. There's a lot of confusion. There's the other controversy of, okay, if I buy a Mahomes National Treasures Auto privately for $500,000, I sell it to Rally Road and they're IPOing it at $750,000, where are we getting this number to IPO it at it from? And is this a true representation of its actual value i know that's been something that has been seen as the past is a little bit controversial and i think warrants legitimate questioning yeah i feel very old man like with i feel like an old head when it comes to fractionalization i feel very that's get off, i feel very get off my lawn i don't feel very young i feel i get the idea so it's like there's so many problems with liquidity with cards where like it's so hard it, you know it's difficult to liquidate your assets when it comes to owning a single card in your house going from finding a seller either online or in person, shipping it, making sure it gets there okay, making sure the payment goes through okay, um, dealing with the tax implications depending on the value. So I get the idea of why fractionalization is appealing, but I just don't, I, it's, not, it's not it for me, man. I don't see, I don't see, There's just certain things, man, that having a card in your possession versus owning a fractional share. I can see how it gets people into the hobby. So I'm, that's why I don't actively say anything bad about it in public on like my social media accounts is because like I see how it gets someone who's into crypto into cards. It's a step in that direction and that we're all about expanding the hobby. And if that's the case, then yes. But I, that's the problem is the arbitrariness of the values that they put on them. That Mahomes that someone bought really is probably worth 500000 they say is worth 750000 because it might get more people to buy shares. And that's like another thing about it. It's like the higher value they put on it, the more people, the more interest that's going to be on that card. And it incentivizes them to arbitrarily create, you know, put add value to cards when the value might not actually be there in the open. Yeah. So my inner 16 year old is going to counter your old man and say that I saw a Gary V clip this morning on Instagram that definitely caught my attention and that, Investing is not just, you know, the previous connotation is that you're putting money in the S&P or you're buying, an ass, you're buying real estate and you're churning rent money or you're fixing something up. Now it has more cultural implications. Now there's a younger audience of people that are saying, 
I want to invest. Investing is something I do with my money. And they're not immediately going to real estate or to stocks or even the you know retail investing through Robinhood or the like. But they're going to cards, they're going to crypto, they're going to sneakers and saying, hey, I want to own these you know, Air Force Ones, and I want to sell them for double when they are dead stock. And that's cultural. And that's something that's seen in our youth. And there is a bit of a social dynamic. Yeah, I have two shares of this 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle, or this National Treasures Mahomes. I own this. I have an asset in this. And I want to see this go up in value. And this is something that I am doing. It's not just passive boring a bunch of nerds in new york city and murray hill are crunching numbers yeah <laughs> i think investing in cards is just more fun i mean all right I, I don't really invest in cards really but i know that the money i put into cards is not totally wasted money when i'm doing it smartly so it's not money that i would otherwise be uh be investing otherwise but you know, all right, Max, you kind of convinced me on fractionalization. I just wish that there is more regulation on like who says, I wish there was more third party, like this is what this card's worth. Somewhere that yeah. these companies could go that isn't just their own word. Um, I don't really know what that is, though. I don't know what what sort of body that could be and how well that would even work out. But in my head, there would be some sort of authority that can say, more definitive values on what these car these high super high value cards that are not sold or traded very often are worth so that these people aren't just you know someone who's maybe not into cards doesn't understand the market for six figure cards like i mean i don't even really understand the market for six figure cards i don't totally understand why a card that's worth 300,000 versus a card versus 100,000 all the time they don't really seem that different to me so I can't even imagine someone who doesn't know anything about cards coming in and being like, oh, well, this Steph Curry rookie card might must be worth 1.2 mil. And this, I don't know, LeBron rookie cards worth 700K. What's the, like, I, what does that even mean? That doesn't like, there isn't much education going on on the side of these fractionalization companies to make sure that these people buying into these cards understand what they're getting into. And it's not just, hey, this Steph Curry card's worth a shit ton of money. Buy a little bit. That's cool for you. That's better than going and buying a, $30 insert of Steph from illusions or something. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What are your th I, I don't know. I'm just kind of ranting now. I don't want to, I don't want to get too off track. I'll, I'll be my young head and I've enjoyed and dabbled in NFTs and crypto. I've, I've lost more than I've earned. I'm not afraid to say it, but I'm pro it. I'm fun. I own my little sloths in my open sea wallet and I have a blast, but I, but Point being, I'm not afraid to try something novel or new or to purchase something that isn't tangible in my hand. I mean, if when we're buying stocks, we you know, are you holding the stock certificate itself and throwing it in your safety deposit box? That's you can argue if that's tangible or not either. But I think an issue definitely even in terms of the government and their overseeing on crypto cards, etc is that there is a lot of ambiguity in something's worth. And I think part of what's made cards thrive is that there's, I don't want to get too political, but there are some people that even as consumers, buyers and sellers don't like government intervention. And even if it, that means just paying tax at the end of the year, instead of it being stripped out of someone's paycheck or someone not completely overseeing 
every single transaction that you have buying, selling, or otherwise and saying, oh, this is a $45 card. You must sell it within $40 to $50. People like that. And doing your own research, doing your own homework. Yeah, you can lose your hat. And I personally, it's all the same to me, whether something is a $750,000 card or a $500,000 card. You could show me both, and I probably wouldn't be able to identify which one's worth more if it's to the degree of $250,000. It's, it's something that I'm not going to own either way. But with that in mind, I think cards have thrived, and NFTs as well, due to the lack of regulation. And this is a market that has weeded out people that don't do their own homework. And even I feel like, especially with you in the collecting side, you do your homework a lot on which cards you think are cool, which cards are binder worthy. And that's where you've relished. And that's where a lot of people relish it as well. And that's the demographic of people that are still here. Yeah. And I think what I'm getting from what you're saying is it's a lot more fun to collect cards than it is to collect stocks. Yeah. Very boring to collect stocks. And we are all about collecting cards here. So I think cards are cool. I think that stocks are not as cool. And I think that if you want to go buy a fractional fraction of a Mickey Mantle PSA for 52 or 51 Bowman or 52 tops and go for it, I'm going to support that decision. I don't just make sure that you do your homework on relevant comps of the cards so that if that card does randomly get liquidated and I don't even really understand, that's the other side of the thing. I don't really understand. Like when do these cards get liquidated? Who decides? How do they even find the buyers for them? I don't know. Like, just do your homework beforehand. Don't trust what one of these sites are saying the card is worth and, like, trust that buying 1% of it at that price is not better than going and buying a card that the 1% could have bought you on eBay or something that you could own fully on your own. So that's what I, that's the, my main, I think, point, Max, is just, like, t- let's make sure everyone's aware of all the different ways to acquire cards, all the different ways to put money into cards so that people can do it smartly. And I think that that this market correction that we're seeing in terms of like these base cards coming down and everything is like, is good to me because it's showing these people that might get in now, Hey, don't go buy a bunch of base cards. If you're trying to like invest every, if you're trying to like hold money in here and like, I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a little bit. And it's a big part of that is that we've had, it is July 17th, 2022 PSA closed on March 1st, no, excuse me, April 1st, um, 2021, that's 15 full months that people have had to exit their base. And I granted, it took a while, a long while for most people to get all most of their paper base back. Some people still don't have their paper base tens back. But for the vast majority of people that submitted earlier, you've had that time to exit. You've had 15 full months. And the quicker you get out, the less it'll hurt. So if you're holding that now, part of it is my is the fight club adapt or die mentality. But also it shows the dangers of investing into cards. I don't know if I'm an investor or a flipper or a collector. I probably do a mix of all three, but each one has its dangers. And yes, even collecting has its dangers. Don't overindulge. Yes, don't overindulge. Don't spend money you don't have. I think something that I just get annoyed with with any of these like influencer types of guys who tell people what to buy and what to sell is just like you don't know what you're doing. 
Like we, no one knows what's going to go up and what's going to go down. We don't know what's going to happen in the sports world. It's a very, very volatile industry and world of someone getting hot for a, a year, gets injured, whatever. Don't overextend into some like a young player. Put some money into vintage stuff, or like if you're really trying to just like hold money. I'm kind of gonna kind of stop myself here because I'm I'm getting a little uh, I'm getting a little a little crazy with my ideas with like annoyance with the stuff because i don't really want to be the old the dude in 20 years who missed the boat on like a cool thing like a fractionalization of cards if that actually becomes a big thing with like make, like what if like every single but a big a big cards. problem is it's like okay like just to draw a like a corollary there are whatnot people that put a one dollar auction for any you know for a low-end item they have a big audience and the five dollar card that's ready available at seven sells for 10 plus shipping. And you can't fault the guy with the audience. You can't fault the auctioneer for amassing a following through his own, presumably through his own merit and marketing the card to an audience and just throwing it at auction and people not doing their homework. And at the same time, you can't really draw too much slack to these rally road people because, or excuse me, the consumers, because they're being marketed something that may be look i'm saying rally just out of uh they are the first fractionalized company that comes to mind none yeah. of this is personal to them don't sue me for for slander this is not about sue, you specifically. sue cards max or slander sue him please no no <laughs> no but this is just referring to the general space and the health of the space i am not criticizing them specifically i want to make that clear yeah. but just to the market in general and you know the cards max fractionalization company you know if I build the cards max fractionalization company, I have a $500,000 card. I'm IPOing it at $750,000. Well, part of it you can say is that, oh, it's the free market and your, your IPO didn't sell it at $750,000 because it didn't have enough of demand. But on the converse, you can say that if it sold out at $750,000, it's because I marketed and shilled the heck out of it for my own benefit because I'm making 250K profit. And that the consumer is losing money and they don't even know it because they're being marketed that this is good for their future, which is paradoxically extremely ironic. Yeah, I Max, I really appreciate you carrying this episode because I, I, I like your perspective on this stuff and is something that I'm kind of shocked we haven't talked about this more in previous episodes. I know we've talked briefly about vaults and a little bit about fractionalization, maybe tangentially, but. Um, yeah, I think you touched on all the points that I wanted you to touch on. So if you, what else, do you have anything else that you did not say? What would the Cards Max fractionalization company do differently? Do you have anything else that you would say that you would want to do differently? No, because I am a figurative old man who has never owned in fractionalized assets. And I'm talking to another figurative old man who has never owned one either. So well, this is all out of my third party perspective. And I'm barely able to even criticize what they're doing wrong i'm just saying what they what could be done wrong in theory yeah i understand but i think one could argue like owning sealed wax is a kind of a fractionalization thing like you own part of every card that's in that set in it's theory. a hedge against betting on one specific player and i love studying the economics of seals wax especially as someone who has no long-term gratification in holding it longer than a year. 
can we can we make that a next next uh, episode not next week's episode but a future episode can we talk about the ec- economics of sealed wax i think that would be fun we possibly can i just know that there i have a youtuber that i love who is mostly magic and gaming but is a sealed wax economist sage do you think uh, do you think we can get him on the podcast no i don't think so that'd well, be the guest of the century all right. Well, we're gonna have we're gonna have more fun guests before the end of yes, including Logan's League, including Logan's League next week. Uh, Logan's League next week. Shout Logan's out Logan. League because of all the W's. I'm gonna give <laughs> I'm gonna give a quick uh, tease for him. Logan is a great guy. He's on Twitter. He does the best sales of, of baseball cards on Twitter. He his cards are the most liquid on social media. I would say so. Shout out Logan. He knows um, how to buy and sell and still own enough Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalenic to collect. And he started a binder. I, yes, I was about to say, have you heard he started a binder? Yes, that's our tease. What, yes. Find out what's on Logan's League binder next week on the Young Old Heads podcast. Max, this has been super fun. Um, we left plenty of meat on the bone for a future episode. Maybe we can have someone who's a little more um, knowledgeable on economics. I know we can probably find some people in our network. You're, you're an econ major. Or yeah, but I think, I think there's some people that are I know. I, I've never world. taken econ 101. Yeah. Well, you, you're, you are in collecting master level collecting. So that doesn't matter. That is oh, all coming I, from you. Oh, I am no, nothing but a Padawan in the world. So shout out everyone who listens to our podcast. If you have any questions that you want me and or like any ideas for topics or things that you want me and Max to t- touch on in future episodes, feel free to reach out to us on social media. I'm at TV sports cards on Twitter and at TV dot sports cards on Instagram, Max, where can people find you? I know I kind of want you to bring back spaces. Maybe we can do one from the national. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you will be crashing my Airbnb. We will be spacing. I will incorporate everyone in the room to space and it'll be a grand old time. Yes. And uh, if we'll, we'll have a lot more content from that show, maybe some videos that we'll put up on our uh, YouTube channel. So watch out. We'll probably see some sort of young old heads, YouTube collabs out there during the week of the national. So um, Max, do you have anything else you want to say or else let's just peace out. Uh, Be a lover and not a hater and bye Fernando Tatis. Bye, Fernando Tatis, but not minis. Have a good weekend, everyone. Peace.